Welcome back, everybody, to the Carolina Talk Podcast. As always, your host, Jacob Turner here. Got my my main man again in the building, Mead Baskerville. Got Mead back for the UVA preview podcast, obviously what you're listening to right now. Um, did such a great job on the Virginia Tech review pod that had to bring him back on. Big college football fan. Um, I know he's a Hokie fan, but he knows obviously knows plenty about the Who's as well up in Charlottesville. So, uh, Mead, how you doing today, man? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for the compliments, and thank you for having me on again. Yes, sir, dude. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we got a good podcast today. going to try to keep this one relatively short. Um, obviously, we're recording this one at about 6.50 right now. So we got the, the the Virginia Tech game coming up this night. Big conference coastal division matchup between VT and Georgia Tech. Mead, real quick, just give me your prediction on that game. Might as well get that out of the way. I know we're not here to talk about either of those teams, but I mean, coastal division game from a Carolina perspective, we need you guys to lose right now. You're undefeated. We still play undefeated in the conference. We still play Georgia Tech, so we can handle them. And but we need we need Georgia Tech to to beat you guys tonight. Um, what do you what do you think is going to happen though? You think that's going to be the outcome? Uh, no, I think we'll get the win. Uh, this is a trap game. I mean, like if if there ever was a trap game, this is it. Uh, we're coming off a a bye week, so hopefully we're fresh and ready to go, and we're primed for the game. Yeah, it's going to be a good one tonight in Blacksburg. Definitely going to be playing close attention to that from a, a Tar Heel fan perspective, obviously, with, like I said, BT undefeated in the Coastal and Georgia Tech struggling a little bit. So if Georgia Tech can pull off the upset in Blacksburg, that would help us out a lot and our very, very slim chances for a Coastal Division title. But let's jump right into the topic of this podcast. Obviously, the UVA game coming up this weekend around a noon kickoff. I believe it's a 12-15 kickoff. Up in Charlottesville, Virginia. I wanted to get a ticket for it. For some reason, wasn't able to. And uh, I wouldn't be able to make it anyway. I'll definitely be watching the game, but have some other things I need to do here in Raleigh on Saturday. So I'll be watching it closely from the comfort of the living room. But, Mead, I was tweeting some, some stats out earlier today. I was looking at both teams really on the offensive side of the ball and, and kind of comparing them. Um, position wise, so let's start off by just kind of running through the the some of the tweets and some of the stats that I gathered earlier today. If you want to check those stats out, you can go see them uh, at Carolina Talk Pod. Again, that's on Twitter at Carolina Talk Pod. But interesting stat. Let's start with the quarterback position. Obviously, Bryce Perkins has done a good job. The JUCO transfer now starting quarterback for uh, Virginia, and he's done a decent job this year. 119 throws, 190 completions. It's thrown for over 1,400 yards, 12 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, and also has close to 500 rush yards with 463 on the season. 63% completion percentage if you round it up. And if you compare that to Nathan Elliott, who started most of the year for the Tar Heels, Elliott's uh, thrown the ball about 120 times, uh, completed about 196 passes for about 1,240 yards, 6 touchdowns, and 4 interceptions. 61.2% 61.2% completion percentage, and if we want to compare the two rushing-wise, not really a point, but Elliott's only ran for 28 yards this season on like 30, 20 to 30 carries, something crazy like that. So I think his his yards per carry, Nathan Elliott, was like 0.9. So definitely not doing much on with his feet this year. But, Mead, I know you've had an opportunity to, to watch um, UVA, and you put it really – I think you summed up Bryce Perkins really well a couple weeks ago when we were talking about – this UVA team, and he's really just a glorified running back back there. What are your thoughts on Bryce Perkins? I know stats-wise, the two are pretty similar. Carolina's obviously played a game 
Last UVA's played seven games, and North Carolina's played six. So that if you add another game in there, the stats are pretty much would probably you would think be pretty much even. But what are your thoughts on Bryce Perkins and his ability to throw the ball and run the ball? Yeah, I think he's a threat uh, all around the board. I mean, I think more so on the ground than in, than through the air. Um, I believe last podcast said he was like fifty percent completion. I was wrong on that. It's actually about closer to sixty three. Um, but he, it's 7.4 yards of an attempt, and but he has seven interceptions, so I think he's kind of a liability through the air. I think with your secondary being healthy and everything like that, you guys uh, should be able to pick off a few passes or at least one. Um, but you gotta you, you got to contain him. I mean, he is a, he's an above-average athlete and a below-average quarterback, in my opinion. So Yeah, and for me, he's – I can't really remember a Virginia quarterback getting a lot of attention over the past few years. Virginia's kind of been a school – Obviously, recently, in the past really 20 years or so, they haven't won a, what, uh, I think it was a conference championship since 1995, so they really haven't done anything in our lifetime. Um, I know Carolina had a bad streak up in Charlottesville, losing to them over and over and over, and we finally broke that streak uh, about less than 10 years ago, I think. So, over the past few years, Carolina's dominated, except for last year when UVA came in 5-1 and one and then beat Carolina and then tailed off at the end of the year, as kind of most people expected, but... It's funny because UVA's coach Bronco Mendenhall came out before the beginning of the season at the ACC kickoff and basically said that he's got about 20 scholarship players on this team. But now we're talking about this game right now, and they've come off a, a only allowing 13 points to Miami and beating them in Charlottesville. Then they go on the road to Duke and, and get an impressive victory over the Blue Devils as well. So if you look at this team, I think Bryce Perkins is a, is a solid quarterback. He doesn't scare me too much, but at the same time, Carolina has always kind of struggled, like you mentioned in the podcast we did against uh, about the Virginia Tech game, Mead. You said Virginia Tech's always kind of struggled with a running quarterback, and so is Carolina. Um, and it's obviously a lot harder to defend against somebody like that who can throw the ball and run the ball. But I agree with what you said, Mead, in terms of this Carolina secondary is playing pretty well. Got Miles Dorn back. Patrice Renee's playing really good. If we can get KJ Sales back in the lineup at the other cornerback position to replace Greg Ross, who is just – I don't like throwing players under the bus, but he just hasn't really performed up to the standard – that you would want a Carolina or an ACC cornerback to play. He really is like third string, shouldn't even be playing in the first place, and that's no knock to him. It's just it's really just facts of the matter. But Carolina can get a healthy secondary out there and play well, get some pressure on Perkins. I think he can, he can really force him into some mistakes, but we'll just have to wait and see. Let's take a look at the running back position for both UNC and UVA. Meet Antonio Williams uh, is a leading rusher for Carolina this year, 65 attempts. 424 yards, about 6.5 yards per, and only four touchdowns. Compare that to Jordan Ellis running back for the Hughes, their leading rusher. 114 attempts, 619 yards, about 5.5 yards per carry, and seven touchdowns on the year. Um, obviously, Antonio Williams, Michael Carter have played well in games this year individually, but not collectively as a unit. If Carolina can get those two guys hitting in the same game, it's going to be deadly combination. Um, but What's your thoughts, Mead, on the fact that Antonio Carolina's had such a uh, struggled so much with the quarterback position this year and inconsistent play, but our leading rusher has only touched the ball sixty-five times. If you compare that to UVA's leading rusher, almost twice as many with one hundred fourteen attempts. What do you think that's all about, Mead? That just to me, that's just uh, makes me look at the coaching staff and the offensive play calling staff and and really question what they're doing, especially with how much Carolina has struggled to throw the ball. Yeah, I mean, that's a great stat to point out. I mean, if you have trouble throwing the ball, you should naturally run the ball more, especially when you have three capable running backs. Um, 
So, yeah, if you guys have two running backs hitting on the same page, um, why throw the ball? I mean, I think uh, UVA's defense is the best part of their team, but whether they stay true and uh, whether they're actually a credible defense, we'll, we'll find out if they can stop y'all's rush. Yeah, I totally I agree with that, Mead. And it's it, like you said, if we can get Michael Carter and Antonio Williams run, uh, running on the same page in the same game, that's going to be a deadly combination. Let me ask you a quick question. Let me take. I want you to go back to the Virginia Tech game, twenty-two um, nineteen victory for y'all a couple weeks ago at Keenan. What? How? I know Michael Carter had a really good game in that game. Um, has fumbled the ball two weeks in a row in big situations. Obviously, fumbled on the goal line against Virginia Tech, and then last week fumbled against Syracuse and, and, and late in the game, which was ended up being a pretty crucial turnover. Um, didn't see him the rest of the game after that. But going back to that VT game, what do you what do you like about Michael Carter? Because He's a guy that over the past two games, is, like I said, has not played up to his standard really. I know he had a good game against Virginia Tech, but he would be the first to tell you that the fact that he fumbled on the goal line really takes all that away and then comes against Syracuse and just doesn't really do much at all. Um, what do you like about Michael Carter in terms of a running back? Because for me, he's I've compared him to the likes of Gio Bernard before because when he gets in space and when guys try to tackle him, he rarely goes down on the first hit. He keeps running. He's a hard runner, and he's, he's a short running back similar to, to what Gio was. Yeah, sure. Um, he he's a he's an all around back. I mean, you can play him on first down. You can play him on on third down if you need. Um, he'll get those. He'll fall forward. That's a big thing, you know, falling forward and get those extra yard or two. Um, but I mean, he can. He really showed that he could do it all in that Tech game. I mean, he was catching passes out of the backfield. He was running on first down. He was running on third down, third and short. Um, so he could really he could really do it all. Um, despite that fumble, really hurts his overall play. But I mean. If you take that out of the game, he's uh, he had a heck of a game. Yeah, he really did. He played really well against y'all, and like I said, didn't really do much against Syracuse. Instead, it was the Antonio Williams show who had over 100 yards rushing for the Tar Heels up in New York. Had a really good game um, against that one. So hopefully we can get both of those guys working on the same page. Um, let's move on to let's look at the leading receivers for both North Carolina and UVA going into this weekend's game. Um, Anthony Ratliff-Williams, only 25 catches this year, 354 yards, about 14 yards per Two touchdowns on the season, so not what you would expect, you know, six games into the year from Carolina's best playmaker on the offensive side. And then, Mead, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, Olamide Zacchaeus, I think I got that one right, uh, for Virginia, 46 receptions, 582 yards, about 12 yards, 13 yards per catch, six touchdowns on the year. Mead, I haven't really seen a lot out of Zacchaeus this season, to be completely honest with you. Um, one thing I will say about the Anthony Ratliff-Williams is the fact that he only has 25 receptions at 350 yards shows me that as an offensive unit, we're not looking to him enough. I know he is usually covered by the other team's best cornerback and is sometimes double-teamed as well. But, I mean, Zacchaeus is UVA's best playmaker as well, and he's still making catches. He's got targeted almost twice as many times as Anthony Ratliff-Williams is, so that's really no excuse. Also has four more touchdowns than Anthony Ratliff-Williams. I mean, if you... Got to watch Zacchaeus at all this year, and if you have, I know he's a senior, has been around the program for a little bit, but he looks like a short wide receiver, and I don't know, how, like I said, I haven't seen a lot of him this year, but do you have anything to say about Zacchaeus and kind of the threat he brings to to uh, for the Virginia offense? Yeah, they kind of run through him, actually. They, I mean, if he doesn't touch the ball, then something's seriously wrong with them. Um, he's obviously their best playmaker uh, in the wide receiver. Jordan Ellis is a great running back that they have. Um but Alamzade Akias, he he's 
he's really the heart and soul of that. If he's if he's on time with Bryce Perkins, then they're going to do well. Um, he's a smaller guy um, playing out of the slot, but I mean he can he can definitely shake everybody on the field. He's he's pretty electrifying. Yeah, it sounds like only five eight, one hundred ninety pounds. I mean, that's that's short, it's as short as it gets in the Division One. That's that's crazy how he's putting up such big numbers this year. Like I said, almost close to six hundred yards receiving already. They played about seven games this year, and seems like a, a real threat for this Carolina secondary going into the game. Um, I think the biggest question for Virginia is can they rely on Perkins getting him the ball enough? Because, like I said, Perkins is. Statistically, he's had a pretty good year. I mean, 62% completion percentage is pretty good, but he's only thrown he's thrown 12 inter- touchdowns and seven interceptions. So that's not horrible stat-wise, but like I said, and, I, and I'm going to stick by it until he shows me more through the air, he's really just a glorified running back when it comes down to it, who, you know, when called upon, can make some 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 throws, nothing too crazy, but can can make some throws downfield. Um, I mean, let's move on to the defensive side of the ball for both of these teams. Starting first with North Carolina. North Carolina has allowed about 35 points per game this this season, 34.83 to be exact, 411 yards per game, and 2,466 total yards this season through six games. Obviously, Carolina's sitting at 1-5 right now. UVA, on the other hand, has allowed 18.43 points per game, so about 16 less than the Tar Heels have, have let up this season average-wise. 326 yards per per game. So about 80 or so less than North Carolina's let up. And then total yards allowed, Virginia Tech has allowed, excuse me, not Virginia Tech, UVA has allowed 2,282 total yards per, oh, uh, not per game, excuse me, throughout this whole season. So through seven games for them. So looking at this stat, these two stats, comparing the two real quick, Carolina's played one less game than UVA, but has let up almost 200 and more yards than UVA has let up on the season and is is allowing close to 16 more points per game than UVA, and that's with one less game being played, like I said before. So statistically, you can really see that UVA definitely has the better defense, but the one thing I will say before I kick it off to you, Mead, is Carolina, especially in that Miami game specifically and California games, have turned the ball over and put the defense in really bad spots. And, I mean, the Miami game, I think Miami had two or three touchdowns off of fumbles and and picks that they ran back. So I'm not sure how that stat goes in terms of a defense. I don't know if that still counts for how many points the defense lets up a game. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I have to do a little research on that. But the fact of the matter is Carolina offensively has put our defense in some really bad situations, and that has has definitely – uh, made these numbers, in my opinion, look a lot worse. Because I think if Carolina has a good defense, uh, like under Trubisky or Marquise Williams, these def- this is one of our best defenses that we've ha- that Carolina's had in, in years, in my opinion. But when you don't have an offense that you can rely to score the ball, but you also don't ha- who have an offense that, that's going to turn the ball over and put you in bad situations as much as North Carolina has this season, it's always going to make you look a little bit worse as a unit. But, me, what are your, your thoughts on those stats? I know you got a, a interesting stat over here you just kind of found out. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that uh, a turnover-prone offense inflates those uh, points per game for mm-hmm. UNC just uh, just a little bit. Um, but it's something about these Virginia teams and their red zone defenses, I guess. I really, I'm really not sure yeah. about that. Um, I did find something really cool, though. Um, 75% of UVA scoring plays have come from either Ellis, Perkins, or Zacchaeus. So I think the key for uh, 
UNC this weekend is to keep those players in front of them. I mean, it's kind of the same thing I said about Syracuse. You just got to keep them in front of you and keep them from going so vertical. Um, but if you if they can just contain these players and, you know, they're going to get their yards, but just keep them out of the end zone. I mean, 75% of their scoring plays have come from these three guys. They're running back, they're quarterback, and, and they're leading wide receivers. So they're they're not really deep. They go to their playmakers. That's That just shows on the on – the, it, it, through the stats, but um, yeah, I, th- I think you guys can do it. I think it's I think it's gonna be a good game. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a good game too. And it's interesting to see that seventy five percent of their offense comes from three players. And if you look at if you go look at Virginia's stats, the three players that we just talked about, Bryce Perkins, Jordan Ellis, and Olamide Zacchaeus, are all the three leading uh, players in each of their respective categories: passing, rushing, and receiving. So, like you said, me, these guys are, they're not doing anything special. Virginia is getting the ball to their playmakers, and they're making it happen. Zacchaeus has six touchdowns on the year. Ellis has seven touchdowns on the year. And Bryce Perkins matched him with seven touchdowns on the year as well. And then if you add in Bryce Perkins' rushing touchdowns, he's got five more of those. So, 13 total, or excuse me, 12 total touchdowns on the year for Bryce Perkins. So, if you can stop, like you said, if you can stop those three players, which is not going to be easy, um, we're not in here suggesting that's going to be easy, but if you can stop those two, three players for, for um, Virginia, I think you can really stop this team because, like you said, all their offense is coming through those guys, and uh, that's just a crazy stat to hear. I'd love to to compare that to other big teams in the ACC and maybe across the country to see where most of their scoring is coming from. But defensive-wise, back to the defensive stats real quick. Meet. I've had a chance to watch UVA defensively. I know over the past couple weeks, I mean, they only let up 13 points to Miami at home. Um, the Duke last week only let up 14 points, I believe, in that game to to a, a good Duke offense for the most part, a team that's up and down a little bit this year, but for the most part, a, a, a good Duke team on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Mead, what do you? How are you feeling about this UVA defense? We had this conversation off the mic that you you, you still are not sure about the legitimacy of not only their defense but the team in general. Sure, yeah, I'm not I'm not sold on them at all. They they were they started out 5 and 1 last year as well um, with Kirk Benkert as their as their quarterback, but they they ended up falling off at the end of the year. So, um, I they just haven't been good in a while. They don't really have much of a, a, a modern tradition, I guess you could say. Um, so I'm not really sold on it. I think they do have some grit to them though. Um, I don't know, I'm not going to Put that aside, but I think they're going to fight it out with every team, of course. But uh, I'm just not a hundred percent. I wouldn't bet on them. I wouldn't put money on them. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it might be. I mean, you're you're obviously a VT fan, but you're not super biased on the Cavaliers. I mean, obviously you don't like the Who's up in up in Charlottesville, but I mean, you're not. If you if Virginia was a legitimate team that you felt was a legitimate threat, I know you'd come out and admit it. And I'm kind of on the same page as you. Where I mean, let's look at their for the five and two on the year right now, second in the Coastal Division. Let's look at their games they played this week, this year. Excuse me. Started off with Richmond at home, easy victory, forty-two to thirteen. You expect that. They go on the road to Indiana, who's a decent team, not doing great this year, but decent team. Twenty to sixteen loss for them up in Indiana. Next following week, they they played Ohio at home, uh, forty-five to thirty-one victory. So a a shootout in that game, in which I'm not an, an Ohio expert, so I don't know what their offense looks like, but seems like letting up thirty-one points. To Ohio team is a little bit steep, uh, and then they played Louisville at home, who's arguably the worst team in the ACC and arguably one of the worst teams in the country right now. Uh, they they beat 
uh, the Cardinals at home, 27-3. to Then they go on the road to NC State, and that was a game that I was watching. I was actually in Virginia watching that game, um, and obviously they went up to, to Raleigh and or came down to Raleigh and, and lost 35-21 to to a, a good state team, maybe a little bit overrated state team after that uh, shellac, and they took to Clemson last week. But um, still, UVA, I, I was anxious in that game to see because I really thought UVA was going to uh, really just – pose some problems to NC State because I wasn't sold on NC State kind of like I'm not sold on Virginia but you know Virginia came in that game and just didn't really look good they had some opportunities in the third quarter to, to make the game close and just couldn't do it and ended up losing by 14 points but their defense just really didn't impress me in that game but then they turn around the following week and beat number 16 Miami at home which when you think about it is a really good victory for them I think Miami's a little bit overrated and I think it was proved in that game but, you know, still, regardless, allowing 13 points to a Miami team is still a good stat line and it's still a good defensive performance. And then they went on the road last weekend at Duke after a bye week in between those two. Or excuse me, no, they had a bye week in between the State and Miami game. So no bye week for them going into the Duke matchup. But went down to came down to Durham and, and won 28-14 over, like I said, a pretty decent Duke team and a Duke team that you would expect to probably, especially over the past few seasons, to take care of the Who's uh, at home. So looking at this team, if you look at their past four games, barring the Ohio game, which was the third game of the season, if you look at their Louisville, State, Miami, and Duke games, this team has let up three points, 21 points, 13 points, and 14 points. So they're not allowing a lot of points. And I'm not sure. I was listening to somebody earlier or reading a preview for this game. I can't remember who wrote it or who, what podcast it was off the top of my head. But a lot of people were praising this Virginia defense and saying – that they were really doing some nice things. But if you look at them stats-wise, they're letting up over 300 yards per game. Um, they, you know, they've let up over 2,000 yards on the season, so it's not great. But the fact that they're only allowing 18 points a game and, and, a, and a, a, a plan to get some good teams as well. I mean, they haven't had a super easy schedule, like we've said, compared to some teams in the ACC so far. So I'm not sold on this Virginia team either, Mead. But if you had to pick... Uh, a side of the ball for the Cavaliers going into the game, either offensive or defense, that fears that you would fear more. Do you fear UVA and Bryce Perkins on the offensive side of the ball more, or would you be more fearful of, of how this defense has been playing recently? Like I said, only you know, only letting up more than thirty points in one game this season. Uh, it definitely be the defense. Um, they they're a team defense, that's for sure. I don't think they're great in any one position. I know they have a strong. Uh, very strong safety that they have. Um, but, I mean, for the most part, I think they're really well-rounded and they play as a group, and they like to grind it out. Um, I think the Miami game was kind of – that was a shocker to me, honestly, but I think it was a that was a really sloppy game on both sides of the ball for both teams, um, honestly. But, yeah, I, I'm kind of concerned with their defense, but I, I think, you know, in the grand scheme of things, they're still UVA. I think they'll only be so good. Um, I think you guys just got to attack them and, uh, you know, watch good film and see where they're, see where they're weak and you just exploit that. I think uh, they definitely have some cracks. They're not perfect. For, that's for sure. Yeah, I agree. And that, that, uh, set guy in the secondary, you mentioned Juan Thornhill for the Cavaliers, number 21, a guy you really got to watch out for is 35 tackles on the season, four interceptions, um, had a really good year so far. Uh, Chris Peace. Also, a guy for the the Cavaliers who's got five sacks on the on the year for thirty four yards. Um, really, eighteen solo tackles. So he's done a really good job this season of getting pressure on the quarterback. 
Charles Snowden, number 11 for, for the Cavaliers, also a good player. Zane Zandier for the Cavaliers as well. 23 solo tackles, 21 assists on tackles, and has got two sacks on the year as well. So this is a, a solid team on the D-line especially and in the secondary. Juan Thornhill is, in my opinion, one of the best um, secondary players in the, in, the, in the Coastal Division and probably in the ACC based on how he's played this season. But I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to disagree with you, Mead, but the one thing that I think, the one really big thing that I think Carolina can exploit going into this game is the offensive side of the ball. Because like I said, if you look at this team on, 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 the, de- on the defensive side of the ball, this Cavaliers team, they're really good. And I mean, we can't lie to ourselves as Carolina fan base and say that our offense has, has been exceptional this year because they haven't. I mean, they went up to Syracuse and scored 37 points. And if you, th- if you score 37 points in a game, you would expect to win it, I would think. So the fact that you know, we go up there and let 40 points to a Syracuse team and with their backup quarterback comes in and torches us and throws three touchdown passes and one I mean, only one interception. I mean, he had a great game. So I'm a little bit worried. I'm definitely worried about their defense, but I'm more worried about our defensive side of the ball and can we stop the likes of, of Perkins, Ellis, and Zacchaeus on the, on the uh, offensive side of the ball for the Cavaliers because based on what I've seen throughout the season as a, as a whole, I'm not too convinced that our defense is great. A lot of that has to do with our poor production on the offense, but, I mean, you can't make that excuse last week. You know, when you score 37 points, you expect to win. So it's going to be a really interesting matchup up in Charlottesville this weekend. And, me, let's dive into the predictions real quick. I'm going to go ahead. I always predict a win. I mean, I always predict a win. If we were playing Alabama tomorrow, I'd say we're going to get blown out, you know, 100 to nothing probably. But playing UVA, going up on the road, I predicted a Syracuse I predicted we beat Syracuse last week. Was obviously wrong on that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stay positive. I'm gonna I'm gonna predict the Carolina victory this weekend, and I'm gonna say we go up to Charlottesville noon kickoff. You know, pretty lackadaisical crowd at the especially in the first half. Probably be a decent showing in terms of fan base, especially with you know UVA sitting at five and two right now and coming off two big wins. So I expect a decent crowd in the game, but not a huge home field advantage. The, 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 the who's don't really turn up like the Hokies do up in Blacksburg. So if I had to make a prediction, I got to go with, I'm thinking a, a low scoring game. I think Carolina's defense, as much as I'm worried about it, comes in with a point to prove, plays similarly like they did against Virginia Tech. And I think we, I think, I think Carolina comes out of this one 28-24 in the oldest rivalry in the South. And we, we make a little run for, for bowl eligibility. And maybe we went out the rest of the year, but not gonna. That's a whole other podcast in itself, making making that bold prediction. But I'm saying 28-24 North Carolina. The defense does just enough. Nathan Elliott does just enough, and Carolina comes out on top, brings that W back to Chapel Hill. Mead, what is your prediction for the game this weekend? Uh, similar to you, I think Carolina gets the win for sure. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit, uh, just a little bit lower scoring. I think it's going to be 27 or 24-21. Excuse me. Um, and I think you guys get them in all phases of the game. I think uh, Anthony Ratliff Williams has a has a, has a good game that he needs. Mm-hmm. I think Daz Newsom puts you guys in uh, great offensive positions with his uh, return ability. I'm not saying he's going to score, but I think he's definitely going to have a big impact of the game. You guys will win the field position battle, um, and I think your defense finally sticks one out. I think they need that, and they're they're hungry for it. So I'm going 24-21. I like that. I really like that. And. Got to stay optimistic. Got to stay optimistic with this team. Got to keep supporting these Tar Heels. 
I mean, I want to hit you with one more question. Like I did on the BT podcast, I kind of hit you with a question out of nowhere. I'm going to do the same thing here. Is Nathan Elliott, let's, let me put you in a little scenario right now. This is not my attempt to, to hate on Nathan Elliott or, or single him out at all. Got nothing but respect for what Nathan Elliott has done and, and the hard work he's put in to become the starting quarterback in North Carolina. I mean, based on what you saw specifically against uh, us, you know, at the Virginia Tech game, obviously, which you were at, if, if Cade Fortin is able to come back maybe against Georgia Tech next weekend or, you know, in, in about a, a week or two time, because it's been reported, his dad has been tweeting around a little bit saying on Twitter that his son is, should be back this year, is not out for the year. Fedora announced a few players a couple of days ago and said he wasn't out. He wasn't on the list, so should be returning at some point. But do you stick with Nathan Elliott for the rest of the year? Or let's say Fortin comes back in two weeks. Do you put Fortin back in the ball game and pretty much blow his redshirt ability? Because I believe he's only got two more games he could play. So if you put him at the remainder of the season, he's gonna—he's not gonna be able to redshirt him anymore. Because after four games, obviously you can't play anymore. So if you we get if we get Fortin back in a, in a couple of games, regardless of the results, do you stick with Elliott or would you put Cade Fortin in based on what you saw and his really solid first half performance against the Hokies a couple weeks ago? Yeah, that's definitely a surprise question and a tough one. Um, I'd say uh, I'd say start Elliott. I mean, w- what I think is good for long term is to get Cade Fortin healthy. Um, I think he needs to to stay out. Um, I mean, not stay out of it, but if Elliott's really doing bad, I think you put him back in. But um, I think for the most part, Elliott should start, take the pressure off Fortin. And if Elliott goes south with his uh, with his performance, then I mean I'd say you you start plugging people in, little plug and plays, and see who's ready to compete. Do you think it would be worth burning his red shirt um, to finish out the season if Carolina, you know, is sitting at you know one and seven or two and six in a couple weeks times? Uh, do you do you think this is it would be worth burning his red shirt just for the heck of it when bowl eligibility, even if bowl eligibility is out of the question? No, I wouldn't burn his red shirt. I wouldn't just jump to that assumption there. But I'd definitely hold it over the fire and wait for it. Yeah, like you that. know, um, you never know what can happen. Nathan Elliott might go down with an injury. I, I mean, knock on wood. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you, you don't want that to happen. But you, you never know. Crazy things do happen in ACC football. So I mean, I'd I'd keep it held over the fire, but I wouldn't I wouldn't burn it yet. I like it. I like it, Mead. All right, guys, that's gonna do it for us. Hope you enjoyed the Virginia preview podcast. Remember to tune in this weekend. 12-15 kickoff against the Who's in Charlottesville. Going to be a, a beautiful fall day. It's a beautiful part of the of Virginia. I'm actually, we're both from Virginia. And got, aren't you from Charlottesville, Mead? Yes. We got a, this man over here is from Charlottesville, but is a, is a Hokie fan. So you never know what can happen. But go Heels. Be tuned into the game this weekend. Like I always say, keep supporting these boys. If you haven't already, go follow us on Twitter at Carolina Talk Pod. Like share, retweet, whatever you want to do. Help spread this podcast around. And uh, we'll see you next time, guys. Thanks for listening. Pack it up, pack it in. Let me begin. I came to win. Battle me. That's a sin. I won't ever slack up. Honky, better